Hello and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Alex and Paula. Uh, my name's Rick, and finally, I'm coming to you through the power of fiber optic broadband. I have rejoined civilization, and it is glorious. This week, uh, we're going to talk about what we've beaten, retired, and been playing. Uh, we've all got something to talk about this week, so that'd be a nice welcome change from lots and lots of me. Um, we're going to talk about uh, this week our gaming white elephant. So, jumping off a little bit from the conversation that we had last week, or a, a segment of that. Uh, and then we'll finish out with a question from the community and um, everyone's number one expectation from this show. How, How long, long to beat the game? the game? Hey, that was hey. good. Nice. <laughs> it's, listen, million monkeys, million, what is it? Monkeys, typewriter, Shakespeare. Eventually we'll nail one. Yes. No pound out. Yep. You know what I mean. Paolo, speak for you. Save me. Paula, sweet fuse, save me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Paula, sweet fuse, save me. Okay, so Paula <laughs> Give me a second to breathe here. <laughs> just the look of complete not understanding. Like just staring at it's like, what? Sweet fuse? What are you talking about? <laughs> the game you beat! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, like for a moment, like my frame black blanked out, and then I saw Rick like what uh, looking at me, like uh, that is because the... I didn't understand like why no one no one like was talking. That is the best. And then I was like, oh wait, that's why. <laughs> Oh, I've gone bright red. I am like a beetroot attached to a, a human. Somebody. It's okay. Oh, I am sweet fuse. Please. <laughs> okay, let's go. So this week I finished uh, sweet fuse. Are you at your side? Um, I've talked about this at my game before, but uh, let me like give you like a quick rundown of what it is, what to expect, and all that jazz. So. Uh, you play as Saki Nafune, who is 18, and she goes to the opening event for an amusement park designed by her uncle, who is, um, who is very much Keiji Nafune. It is based on the real person. Well, uh, things go south really quick, and there's like this monokuma-like mascot uh, in the form of a pig that takes over the park, takes the people, takes the people as hostages. And Saki, alongside six other people, have to complete seven challenges or games in seven days, and they have seven hours for each of the games. Uh, so they have to save the hostages and keep the pig from blowing up the park. That is like the whole premise of the game. In it has like some uh, Danganronpa-like elements design-wise, like. The design of the UI, there, there's something about it that kind of screams Danganronpa, but uh, the overall gameplay is more in line of, um, or the overall story is more in line of, with 999. Okay. In the sense of you don't have teenagers killing each other, you have a group of people working together to overcome this set of puzzles or challenges. So. And gameplay-wise, you have the typical menu-based selections uh, from um, pretty much every visual novel ever. 
there's like a special kind of selection that I found really silly. Uh, there are certain instances where you pretty much can choose whether Saki gets really mad or not, which it is completely silly, but it is a welcome change in the sense of at the time, most visual novels have like these um, very either patient or no opinion main character. So Saki getting mad about bullshit and calling out the bullshit it is, very, is very good. There's also this section called Explosive Insight that is kind of like the one, I don't want to say mini game of the game, but it's kind of is where you reach a point where um, um, the, the, the team gets kind of stuck on what to do next. So you kind of like review a section of whatever instruction you were given, and you can select like three keywords. And if one of the keywords is like the correct option you need to look at, then you can progress through the game. That is pretty much all gameplay-wise. Game There's nothing like too complex. And this one is like a lot tamer than other Atomic games. And it is also a lot shorter than, shorter than other Atomic games. So it is divided like on seven routes. Yes, yeah, seven routes. And the first three chapters or stages, as they are called, are common route. And then the, four, the later four ones are like the common uh, character chapters of each of the routes. So you have like a mid-length common route there. Um, in terms of characters, you don't have like anything too crazy. So um, no Dank from Piofiore or not Toma from um, uh, Amnesia Memories that is like the, the really out there crazy people on Atomic Games. And overall, I, I thought the... The characters were pretty wholesome. Like you have, you have really like a mixed batch of characters that seemingly they have like nothing in common, but there's a subplot that connects them all together. So you have uh, this investigative journalist that is a single parent that is um, trying to investigate this one incident. You have the detective that is. Also, like looking at this incident that happened a while ago, and then you have people that were relate either related or were victims of this incident, like the um, uh, you have like this host slash escort kind of character uh, whose parents were involved. You have the the idol who was there but was too young to remember. And you have this fortune teller who is like kind of like the mysterious character, but not really. And then you have arguably one of the more well-rounded characters that uh, was uh, chatting or how they call him a hikikomori uh, because he pretty much stayed indoors all day and pretty much refused to go outside if it wasn't like video game related. Oh, is that the herbivore thing? Um... Uh, no, no. 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 <laughs> okay. Well, what's a hikikomori or whatever it was that you yeah, said? Yeah, hikikomori is like a person who doesn't like 
who is unemployed and doesn't like go out of the house through the shutters uh, has right? like the chattings oh, yeah i thought that, that that literally translate as herbivore like that's a, a a cultural thing that's going i think we are talking about anyway yeah. i think we are talking about the same thing but I, I understand what you're saying okay yeah but um yeah i just hear every word like in another context so please no <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, overall, the characters are a lot tamer, not a lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, they have obviously like their backstory explained a little bit, but it's nothing like too out of the ordinary, except for the one guy who is like the, I don't want to say the canon route, but the one who um, is behind everything. And I thought like that one route who, that was supposed to wrap everything up was disappointing. Hmm. It was by far the, the weakest of the routes. And I would recommend people to play this game if they want something different from an Atomy game. And if they only wish to play like a couple of routes or not a full game, that's okay. Though if they want like, um, to get like as close as possible to the mystery, to to the answer of the mystery, I would recommend um, Suverachito's route, that is a detective, and Ayumu Chirabe. Like arguably, those are the ones that you could play and get like a pretty good picture of what happened that caused the entire thing. Hmm. So yeah, that's its views at your side. Um, how I wanted to add a little addendum because I was curious about this herbivore thing in Hikikomori. Um, so here's a little fun thing for our listeners mm -hmm. herbivore is different than Hikikomori because a herbivore is, is a concept in Japan that describes men who basically aren't, um, they're not interested in the like traditional conception of masculinity and like, um, the concept of like getting into a relationship, having a family, it's not their priority in life, right? Like they, they're usually seen as not being interested in the idea of like company life, um, not really pursuing romantic relationships necessarily. Um, maybe like having a quieter kind of less, um, busy life, like go take photos, you know, things like this. And some otakus can be herbivores, right? Like the ones who decide to go in, but that's not everyone, right? And hikikomori is very right. different where it's like they literally just, they stay inside. The most that they want to do to go outside is like go to the corner store to get something to eat, come in, right? Like it's like, it's much more similar to the idea of a shut in, right? Than necessarily uh -huh. a, uh, someone who's just choosing a right because there's no romantic component i understand what you're saying okay. yeah yep. anyway i thought that there was every day's a school day <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can <laughs> care, you know. I can care. Uh, cool so well, yeah that's all for me nice well why don't i jump in there since i just slid in anyway <laughs> yep, um, go ahead so I uh, I beat two games this week. I beat Picross S Genesis and Master System Edition already. I was the first person to log it on how long to beat. Bed <laughs> run the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, this is the first time that I'm like the first to like put a game that's like, you know, that people will actually complete, not like that random itch.io game or something that, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, um, watch your mouth. <laughs> well, you, you know what I'm saying? Like I've been the first to input like certain you know itch.io things but you know or like one of them but uh 
Yeah, I, I beat, but see, like what I did is like, I'd say I beat like main plus extras. I beat the main Picross and then the clip Picross because clip Picross is really fun because you're building out like a big image and the three images that you build out in this one are like classic Sega games and like, it's like kind of like mm. their title screens, um, which is just really cool. And you unlock them like as you beat the main Picross ones, but they also have mega Picross and color Picross, but I just don't find those appeal as much. And I think I mentioned this before. There's um, there's a lot of recycling of the puzzles from the main Picross in those two uh, modes. So it's kind of like, what's the point? And it, it almost to me feels like even there, like, listen, people are coming here for the Picross. If you really like these other two forms, you can do it. But like, we know why you're here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, respect. Um, they're like, we're not putting all this effort into like another ton of these freaking puzzles just for like two folks to beat them. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, really, really love it. I, I just, I don't know. I, I love this version of Picross. Like if they make more of these, I will be buying them 100% right away. Um, the first few, like the 10 by 10 ones are like five by fives. They're a little sillier because it's more like, you know, here's a stop sign from a game or here's a power up from a game, right? Because it, it's such a small puzzle that you can't really make artwork. But when you start getting to the 15 by 15s, then it's like it's full on pixel art of like, you know, profiles of um, a bunch of different uh, characters from the games and whatnot. And so um, that's where like I think the real joy is. And then actually the last like section are like the 20 by 15. And those are like some really cool um, like action poses and stuff. Um from the games so highly recommend it even if you don't like super know uh genesis games like i i don't i didn't really but even i was recognizing stuff you know a lot of fantasy star a lot of sonic a lot of streets of rage um and even and some more you know obscure ones as well in there so anyway great game highly recommend it i mean these ones are hard to rate like i would basically put this as like a 10 pretty much because like you do you know what I mean? like it, it's perfect at what it does <laughs> but it's like subtract eight points if you don't like across exactly like if, you, much, if you don't yeah. like pit cross it's basically a zero because like what would be the point of the, you know what i mean like it's gonna it's not gonna offer mm-hmm. you anything new although i guess if you don't like pit cross but you love sega maybe you get one extra point in there <laughs> even um, then that's a fucking hard stuff. <laughs> exactly um but like i said these are so they're so cheap you know you like them you're gonna like them it's like playing sudoku or something so um mm. next up uh i beat professor layton versus phoenix right which <laughs> Yeah, this overall, I really liked this game. It It's hard because, okay, in playing this, I conver- confirmed something that I sort of suspected. I much prefer Phoenix Wright games over Leighton games. Um, Leighton games are fun. Their stories are kind of quirky and enjoyable. Um, their mysteries... And okay, this is the sort of hard point. And I know, Rick, because you kind of feel this way a little bit about Phoenix Wright, and I get this. Um, and I sort of feel this way a little bit of Leighton, where it's like, you kind of know what the, tw- like, even when I was playing this game, I was like, I got a feeling I, I generally know what the twist is going to be in this, because like all the Leighton games kind of do these like wild, fanciful things in them. Um, and then there's some kind of, you know, Sherlock Holmes. Well, here's thing. the thing, right? Yeah. I absolutely love Leighton far mm-hmm. more than I do Phoenix Wright. Uh, that, that's mm-hmm. well documented. The first three Leighton games are basically the same twist three times yes. with slightly different window dressing. And then four, five, and six, they try and do more with the plot, but it makes it a bit of a mess and the puzzles are kind of crappy. So like, absolutely accept that criticism, despite the fact that I think the, the, 
the uh, Ace Attorney games are horrifically inconsistent internally and, and an absolute nightmare to try and take the plot seriously. But that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a I whole mean, other thing. That's also part of it too. Like, I think the reason I love Phoenix Wright so much is that like, I'm not, I'm not trying to take it. Ser- do you know what I mean? Like, it's like when you play them, it's more just like for like the fun of it, but I, I do know what you mean too. Um, and yeah. in this one, I think, I think the the problem mostly lies in the fact that um it's it's more of a latent game than it is a phoenix right game you know like in phoenix right hmm. games usually and i think greatest uh attorney sort of breaks from this a little bit which i'm actually slightly concerned about but um anyway they're like it's usually like individual cases right and you've got this kind of like um, you do one case and sometimes a case or two are going to relate to each other. And there's like a, there's like a, you know, there's, there's a storyline that's kind of weaving its way through, but it's very individual in the cases, um, which makes the cases themselves really fun. And there's like, there's the investigating and there's finding that out, which is really kind of great. And, and that's something I actually really loved about the Ace Attorney games is I actually really enjoyed leaving the courtroom and like going around and, and investigating. And, you kind of get that in this, but of course it's more puzzles and whatnot. Um, and so the problem is that like the big final court case, it it actually sort of resolves itself before it resolves itself in the sense that the stakes get lowered really suddenly um, and abruptly. Okay. And so the stakes are like quite high in this game for quite a while. And it's really awesome. Um, but then because it's a latent game, it kind of has to pull the twist. And so... I'm not going to try to like spoil things here, but you know, if you're like really want to play this game, I don't know, there might be something. Um, and so, but I don't know if you don't go into a late game, not knowing there's a twist, like dude. Um, so anyway, um, (laughs) it's just a moment in the final case where suddenly it feels like you're just kind of like, Oh, and now we have to do this thing to like get the latent mystery solved. Um, I'm no longer doing a court case. I'm just wrapping up a game, which was like a little disappointing. Um, but overall, yeah, overall, it's satisfying as a crossover. And it's incredible that it's happened, right? Because, like, the way this game came about is, like, really interesting. Because uh, Shu Amaguchi, who, like, um, does the... Uh, am I saying his name right? I hope I am. Uh, that's the music, guys. It's no, that's 13 Cent Games. Shu something else. Uh, Ace Attorney <laughs> Creator. What's his name again? It's, okay. It is Shu something, but... Uh, uh, what is it though? What is it? It was. It starts with a Y, I think. Shu Takumi, Takumi, Takumi. That's it. Shu Takumi, Shu Amaguchi. <laughs> Thirteen sandals would be great. So anyway, Shu Takumi was working on Ghost Trick, right at the time that this is happening. So Ace Attorney was kind of on like a bit of a hiatus, and the level five creator uh, of like like um, the the latent creator had like always really wanted to do a crossover between them because like uh, that's Akihiro Hino. That's the guy who created uh, Layton, and like. He'd always wanted to like do a crossover with Ace Attorney because he was actually inspired by Ace Attorney to create Layton, right? Like that was one of the big inspirations of it. And so when he approached Capcom initially, uh, Shutakumi like wasn't interested. But like they were they were going to make a game, but Shutakumi was like, uh, "That's fine. Like they can make a thing, but like I'm not interested in like being involved in the actual game, right? Like wasn't opposed mm-hmm. to the game being made. Just like you know, we're gonna Ghost Trick had his own stuff that he was dealing with." Um, and then it was like later as development damn was straight, going on. Straight, I mean, sorry, go on. Yeah, sorry, no, I know. Yeah. Me. Um, and so this was also a problem because as ghost trick was happening, they wanted more ACE attorney games to happen, but like ghost trick was happening. Right. So you're like, 
ah! <laughs> like what do you, what do we do and Capcom's like can we have Mario's attorney but like he's busy and then you know Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright is happening and so eventually Shu actually went to see the work they were doing and they were having a really hard time matching the styles of them there's some awesome concept art in the game itself of Layton in the Phoenix Wright style and I'm actually like very sad that they didn't go with that because he looked dope <laughs> he's like this like tall like kind of burly like fucking professor layton that i was like dude that's dope i see why they didn't because it would be such a strange random departure and like the one that they went for is you know more of like because like layton in the phoenix Wright game he's a bit taller you know uh than he is in the other ones um so mm-hmm. it, it was a good marriage in the end it worked out but um yeah shu takumi actually came to see what they were working on and he started getting like kind of interested in this and he was like oh and so like eventually he was like i'm gonna come on board and like they were like great you can write it and like he had help in writing it so there was a writing team and usually he's the sole writer but there was a writing team for this one and you can sort of tell sometimes that this was written a little bit by multiple people not necessarily in a bad way it's just that like there are moments where i'm like oh interesting um And, like, I think the big climax of this game, from what I understand, was already kind of decided when he came in on the writing. Um, Uh. So, yeah. So, anyway, huge collaboration. It's just, it's insane that it happened anyway. But um, because he was doing that, sorry, we're going to do a little bit of history on here in this, but I I saw some really great stuff on this, and I think it's really fascinating. Like, as he was doing that, um, Capcom wanted Ace Attorney to go ahead. They wanted another one. But, like, the problem is that, like, he's working on Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright, which went through a really long development period because it was having a lot of struggles to get made because, like, you know, it's... It was two freaking studios put together to make this. And it was the first time Phoenix Wright was being put into 3D. So, like, that was a whole freaking thing. Um, And um, so the B team on, like, Phoenix Wright... So, like, there's, like, their A team who was making Phoenix Wright and there's, like, the B team. The A team was basically making Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. And the B team made miles edgeworth investigations right they ended up making that game and then they made a sequel to that game and then this <laughs> game was taking so goddamn long because remember ghost trick had was happening right before he went in on this so that miles edgeworth's time phoenix Wright's having miles edgeworth so eventually they just gave the b team the next phoenix Wright game which is the historically <laughs> divisive one <laughs> um and so because like it basically abandons everything that was happening with uh, apollo um justice in the fourth game because the fifth game kind of just abandons that and goes with on its own way and shutakumi apparently had plans anyway and so it's like the two teams flipped because then shutakumi when it finished was like can i make the grace great ace attorney <laughs> they're like capcom's like okay sure so now the b team's making the mainline phoenix Wright games and shutakumi's just doing whatever the fuck he wants which like i guess is great and and it's fascinating because and i think for people who are going into the great ace attorney you really should play Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright because from even from what I understand, I'll talk about this more when I start playing the game. Uh, from what I understand, the Great Ace Attorney is kind of like the ideas that Shuku Takumi was experimenting with in Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright um, fully explored. Like the multiple juror mm. systems, the idea of there being a much larger plot that goes over a longer period of time. Because um, I, I think from what I even understand, the cases are far more interlinked in the Grace Ace Attorney Chronicles than they are um, in like previous Ace Attorney games. And so, and I mean, look, it's even set in London at times, right? Like there's like, uh, you got Herlock Sholmes or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, which is Layton, right? Like that's just Professor Layton. I mean, it's basically... Because Professor Layton's Sherlock Holmes, right? Like, I mean, that's basically who he is. And his Watson is little buddy. But, I mean, not that directly. I don't want to, like, curb on their creativity because, like, they did a lot of excellent things with them. But it's that concept, you know? 
Yeah, think and it's I mean it's it's beyond the scope of this mainly because I don't remember all the details, but people should go and have a look because that Herlock Sholmes is basically the reason that they're able to dodge the IP minefield and get that thing localized at all. Like yeah. it's a whole thing. Yeah, like one of the interesting things in, in Japan it is Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. But I don't know like how the license is uh like around the world on the Sherlock Holmes. Arthur Conan Doyle's thingy. estate are pretty litigious. And oh, although dicks. the the film rights are loose, which is why you've seen the art the Robert Downey Jr. version and the BBC versions of various other things. Um, certain stories and certain aspects of the literary work still aren't in the public domain yet, and so that caused a problem. But Herlock Sholmes is an established character in their own right, and between that, the whole parody thing, there's enough <laughs> there's enough yeah. leeway for them to be able I mean, to do it like without fear the, of lawyers. I'm sorry. Like, the whole Herlock Sholmes thing um, happened because of... I think it was like, I forgot the name of the author, but there was this one book of Arsene Lupin versus um, Sherlock Holmes. Mm. And because of copyright, that had to be changed to Sherlock Holmes. Mm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So right. it just, and then like um, future works, which you will just stuck with the like parody name, mm. uh, let's say. Yeah. The takeaway message is that modern IP law fucking sucks. Yeah, it's yep. so stupid. Especially for <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, which most of Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain, but some of the like when Sherlock Holmes is old and stuff, that isn't. So anyway, it's that family. Eh, anyway. <laughs> like Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. Yeah, so Professor Layton <laughs> versus Phoenix Wright is really it's it's very fun. Um I I don't recommend playing it unless you've played at least one Phoenix Wright and Professor Layton game because then you're not going to appreciate it quite as much. And there's lots of little jokes in there. And they have like 11 free DLC episodes that you can download uh, when you're all done. They just released these like special episodes that are kind of fourth wall breaky and like they continue after the game has finished, but they're not like official story. It's more like, it's like you, <laughs> they even joke. They're like, yeah, there'll be more of these special episodes with puzzles that we dropped. I mean, new puzzles for you to play. <laughs> like, you're just like... But it's like basically saying, yeah, it's just all the puzzles that were cut from the game. They've just put into these special episodes and like have fun. Um, And it even gets like the special episodes even sort of talk about the development of the game and stuff, too. Like it's 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 really neat. Like it's not something you definitely have to play, but like they're not super long, 15 minutes, maybe an episode. Uh, But the fact that they're free and you can just download them all right uh, when you're done. I was like, that's pretty cool and pretty nice. Anyway, that's now because the eShop's going soon. Well, they're not on the eShop. They're directly through the game. Uh, oh even better yeah Mm -hmm. so you can just yeah it just goes right through it i think i i I think honestly i feel like it's actually just um you just have to like hit something online and it just unlocks it like i i think i could be wrong but i think it's it's like well no you would have downloaded it into it but if you download it from the eShop, they're probably already in. I don't know, whatever. All I know is it didn't download anything. It just kind of appeared for me like very fast. Maybe they're super small, but I don't know. I have a downloaded version, right? If you have a cart version, it's probably different. But anyway, were you going to say something, Paula? Oh, no, sorry. I thought I heard you like interject a second ago. I'm wrong. Sweet views, I- save me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd say Castlevania, save me. <laughs> Go ahead, Rick. Castlevania, yeah. save me. So my playthrough, or my completion <laughs> rather this week, uh, was a replay of the worst GBA Castlevania game, but still a very good game, uh, Castlevania Circle of the Moon, uh, a game Igarashi disliked so much that he made it non-canon. 
it yeah. you can tell they were still sort of finding their feet. The magic system's kind of bollocks. Um, the way that the sort of post-boss special moves are integrated is a little bit janky. Um, but the point is that playing it is still fun. The level design is still excellent, and that's one of the hallmarks of, of all of the um, the six GBA and DS Castlevanias is just that they're really well put together um, from a map perspective. And I really enjoyed my time with it, for the most part. Um, the final boss is is a bit of a joke. This time I played on original hardware, but previously I played um, on an emulator on my PSP Go. So in my original playthrough, I didn't realize how much slowdown there is in Circle of the Moon. There is actually a real surprisingly high amount of slowdown in that game. Uh, and not the kind of slowdown that's helpful in something like Bangayo, like the kind of slowdown that really hampers your ability to play and succeed. And it always seems to be at the times when you really need those reaction times the most. Um, so, and again, we come back to this Metroidvania issue of it's pretty good. I just can't recommend it. I can't even recommend it over the other Egovanias. Like I would, I would tell just about everybody to play Aria, then Dawn of Sorrow, then maybe play Harmony of Dissonance, although that one's a bit divisive in and of itself, but definitely then go on to play Portrait of Ruin and, in my personal opinion, the best of the bunch, Order of Ecclesia. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's just no reason, unless you've already played all of those, to go and play Circle of the Moon. Um, and, and you'll be able to tell that it's not as good, but you'll still have a good time with it. And And I would never want someone to bounce off that and then miss out on infinitely better and exceptional sort of classic genre staples yeah. I also feel on those like, systems. I was going to say, I also feel like this is one of the ones where if you start with the with like one of the best, like you mentioned, Arya Saro, um, you're going to like the rest if you like that one, you know, like at least sure. to an extent. Yeah. So it's like, you might as well, you might as well play the real, a real good one first. <laughs> and the other fun wrinkle is because Arya and Dawn follow immediately on from each other. Um, it gives you an opportunity, like you say, to get an idea of if it's the right kind of thing for you. But also, the other benefit of doing it that way is that because you've got the the duology that goes from GBA to DS, you also get a feel for uh, not only if you like the, the genre and, and, and that implementation generally, but also for how the DS versions differ in terms of what the extra buttons mean for you, um, in terms of having that map on the second screen. Um you know, little stuff like that. And then you can sort of have a feel for that when you go forwards and backwards kind of thing. Um, but it was still good. Only took me about five hours to replay through. Um, nice little sort of warm-up lap for my Game Boy Micro, which is always fun. And yeah, it was real good. Um, two games that are less real good because we're, we're going to roll into retirements next. And as with last week, that's just me. Um, two retirements this week, both not dislikes kind of just tepid impression type thing. So I played some more of Inferna um, shortly after we finished recording last week's episode. That game has horrific checkpointing and some kind of cruel design. Um, so you can kind of have one without the other, but when you have both, they just sort of brace against each other, if that's the right terminology. And, you know, for a little itch thing, that is just you're guiding a wisp around the screen and you have a dash attack like that you know the, the lack of polish and, and the lack of content like i'd had a go it was fine didn't really feel compelled to push through in the slightest the other one was front mission gun hazard for the snes now 
the game, you know, the, the Wanza gameplay, the 2D side-scrolling stuff, that was pretty cool. And graphically, it's incredible, which you'd hope so, because it came out in 1995 for the Super Nintendo. By then, yeah. they knew how that worked. The problem is that gameplay made up maybe 20% of the hour that I spent with that game. There is a lot of like front mission politicking that meant less than nothing to me. And at a time when I'm playing some beefy story-based games, I did not need that in my life. Uh, the other wrinkle, and I think this really was the death now, is that game must have pushed the SNES quite hard because my PSP emulator can't run it. My PSP emulator on Vita can't run it. And my normal go-to SNES emulator couldn't run it. So I had to run it in B-SNES. Um, and it just becomes the PC problem then where it's just a bit more of a faff to get set up. So it can't be arsed. You know, it, it's an extra piece of friction. It's an extra sort of roadblock between me and playing the game. So um, I've put it in the retired. Realistically, it's one that I would like to come back to at some point when I'm a bit more receptive to to the story or maybe a bit more willing to just try and skip through it all. But you can't even really skip through it all because a lot of it's quasi integrated into the levels where you'll get to you'll get to a section near the end of the level and then the big bosses appeared on screen. Um, and you can still move your wands left and right, but there's this text box that slowly advances. It's like, well, I can't just skip this cutscene. I'm sort of stuck living through it. So just on the whole, it, it, it's just a whole lot of nope for me right now, unfortunately. So um, it's one of those. Uh, so let's move swiftly on to what we're playing at the moment. Um, and I would quite like, Alex, to hear how your time with The Ascent is going. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny. Um, the Ascent, like, I, just the other day, I was like, oh, maybe I should retire The Ascent. I don't really know if I want to play because I, like, wasn't really in the oh. mood to, like, you know, but wait. I was like, it wasn't really in the mood to, like, play something on my Xbox and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. And, like, I was like, I was sort of confused where I was. And then yesterday, I was like, ah, I had, like, some time at the end of the day. I had kind of done all my work for the day. And I was like, maybe I'll try it again. And then, like, put it on. And I was like, fuck this game slaps like i just <laughs> you just forget until you start playing it and like the music the soundtrack in this game is so fucking good like it is just this like bassy like you know anything you would imagine from uh, some sort of cyberpunkish sort of game it's just got that like like stuff going on it and like you're going through shooting the sh like blowing enemies the fucking high heaven and like you've got these excellent like cybernetic upgrades like i've got one that's just this like super like punch that basically just like blasts through all the enemies in front of me i have another one that like it like infects all your enemies and then when you like shoot them and kill them they balloon up and explode um yeah like hit, like hurting all the enemies around them and, shit. and i was just like yeah this game's dope but i think what i've learned with this game is like you you might as well just play the main story because I was sort of like, I've been collecting the side quests as I go, but like, it's at least at the moment, it's, it's not all that clear. Like their maps, not great, but they have a really good, like on screen indicator of where to go. Like you press up and this like red line shoots out as if like, you're like, you know, cybernetic something that like shows you where to go. So like, it's not easy to get lost, but then if you have like a side quest, that's telling you to go to a specific sort of area, I've been finding it like a little intuitive to like figure out like where is that in terms of this whole world just because it's a pretty complex kind of world they've made i'm getting a bit better at it and i'm like sort of figuring it out right now but yeah it's really good though i i, I do recommend playing it but i can see why it's gotten that like sort of 75 ish 
Mark, because I think it's one of these things where I was like, this is super fun, but there's just a few things that are like maybe a little unintuitive, but they're not so bad that they stop you from having like a lot of fun with it. You know, it's just not like some kind of like perfectly polished thing. Like I've noticed, um, I've just noticed like little pop in sometimes, not of like graphics, but like, for instance, when I go onto like a train and fast travel, sometimes all of the, um, it's like I've gotten in too quick. And like, sometimes the like, uh, character assets will be like frozen in their default position which will be like standing something like that and then suddenly they just pop into their position and it's almost like i'm like ahead of the game a little bit (laughs) um so i've I've just noticed little tiny things like that but i haven't had any like crashes or any game like like big bugs or anything which i think is a bigger problem on like on pc and like xbox one and stuff um but on the series x at least it, it runs very very smooth um yeah so it's a good game it's also hilarious because hmm. I just got an auto-powered rocket launcher that you can, um, if you press LT, you can like do the thing where you bring your gun up. And if you're crouching, it puts the gun to the side. And so I have this huge rocket launcher. And if I crouch, it just tilts the rocket launcher to the side. And I'm like, this is so stupid and I love it. Hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, that's that's what I'm doing with these scents. I'm still not firing it, but um, I'm, good, I'm like level 10 or something like that. Um playing fire emblem the blazing blade or just fire emblem uh for us westerners here and uh really loving this i'm on the 22nd chapter i think so i'm I'm more than halfway through the game um i can't remember exactly how many chapters there are but i'm pretty sure i'm nearing the the nearing coming near the end of it here i think i'll probably beat it in like a week or so it's such a perfect handheld game because like those missions are just the right amount of time. And I actually find that I have a hard time. I can't play multiple missions in a row because, you know, like when you're about to enter into mission, you, you got to make sure that all your equipment's right. You got to like think about like, who do I want? Do the formation and like strategy. I mean, you don't have to. You can just fucking go to town, but you're going to die. <laughs> um, so like I find that takes a lot out of me. So like I like to do that once, play the map, finish. And they really set it up to let you do that nicely because it's like, you know, you'll save at the end of a chapter, you're good turn it off, come back again later. So I've really been enjoying playing this over a longer period of time because it's just such, which it's why, like, it's so perfect for the Game Boy Advance. And I think it's also why these Fire Emblem games were so perfect for handhelds. Um, but yeah, enjoying that. Uh, I've also been replaying The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I'm already halfway through the game because <laughs> I know this game so well now. Like I was playing it and I was like, I know where to go, I know where to go, I know where to go. Yep, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Great. And I love it. I fucking love it. It is so good. The remake is so gorgeous and just it's it's beautiful. And it's well done. Um, it is insane that there's slowdown sometimes, but... <laughs> It's uh, unforgivable. It's a fucking Game Boy game. Yeah, I know it's pretty, but it's a Game I, Boy I, game. No, not but it's a Game Boy game. It should not be slowing down. No, I if know you're remastering it a game and it runs worse. I that's not a remaster. I, that's not how it that didn't works. Happen to but me. it's not that's a remaster. <laughs> that's the thing. That's like that's the thing that you have to keep in mind. The, no, I know. I know you go hurt, but it's really not a remaster. This is a like complete remake. Like it's just like there's no. Even when you look at the original, like Link's Awakening, there is nothing similar in terms of the way these games look. Even how they function. So remake it slightly less pretty. I, I'm, I refuse to give that a pass. <laughs> yeah. Well, you haven't played it, so 
not yet. Um, and this has come from a guy who's replaying it, so I'm telling you, it's good. Um, the slowdowns, it's mostly, it, it never happens when you're fighting. Like, I've never had slowdown happen when I'm actually, like, engaged and stuff. When I see it occur is when sometimes when the, the scenes shift. So when you're, like, shifting through a new area, you'll occasionally notice a little thing that's happening there. So... I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, but I also think that when you start to play it, you recognize like where it's happening and why it's happening. But um, that's also because it's the fucking Switch. I, I'm sort of a jo- joke too, but I'm like, this game's going to be even better when you get uh, get your Steam Deck with a Switch emulator. This game will be perfect. It'll run perfectly fine. I, I guarantee you there will be no problems. I literally was about to say that when you said it. And you might oh, as well because there's nothing, there's no reason you have to play this on a Switch. Like there's no like, you know, motion style nothing um but anyway i love this game a lot i'm also playing system shock uh the enhanced edition on the pc this is a game i'd always meant to be getting to you know talking about gaming weight elephants later but system shock is always a game that I, i meant to get to and you know playing it it's interesting like it actually makes me appreciate bioshock a lot more because system shock is an obtuse insane game um and i say that with love but like particularly the original edition, the original edition, I saw Mandalore Gaming. So he did a, a video on um, System Shock, Shock 2 and he had done one on System Shock before. And I saw that come up and I was like, fuck, I should really go and play that System Shock. So I went to watch his and he, he comments on how it's like the original System Shock is like playing a game where your controller is a T1 calculator because it's fucking nuts. There's so many batteries. There's no there's no mouse free look. Right? Like you imagine when you play a first person shooter. Not without a mod, yeah. Yeah, not without a mod in the original, but in the enhanced edition, it's built in. Um, there's a yeah. button, it lets you do free luck. Holy shit, that improves everything. Um, even with the improvements, System Shock is it's okay. Um there's some stuff that's a little weird. Like I'm starting to get like a touch frustrated, and I've only got down to the second level, and there's like eight or so of them. And I'm just getting a little bit to the point where I'm like uh, this stupid fucking thing killed me again. Okay, here we go. And I'm just like, I don't know if I'm willing to uh, to kind of grind it out on this. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm willing to do that. The music's also look. This is an old game, and the music can be a little grating sometimes. It is probably phenomenal for its time, but it's a little burning, and like just you know, like that kind of like very electronic, and you're just kind of like at first you're like you're you're grooving to it and then you're like oh it loops and <laughs> just actually apparently there's, there's a re- i'm just gonna be there two hours in just like mm-ts, yeah mm-ts, well there's mm-ts, a really sophisticated thing they did with it apparently that uh no one noticed because it was so subtle um like it like the music changes depending on showdown anyway something with showdown but anyhow um for those who don't know, System Shock is like, it's this game where you're playing as this, like, you're this hacker who hacked into this uh, space station. It's like 2072. Um, there's this AI in the space station and the military was like, I want you to unshackle this AI. And so you do that and they offer to give you this, like, military implant, but you have to go into, a, a, like, a medical-induced coma for six months for it to, like, properly uh, go in. And then when you wake up, the the Citadel station, the station you're on everyone's dead and there's just like mutants and cyborgs all over and the ai runs the station and so you're basically in a fight to destroy the ai um and so like the chief of the gameplay is actually going around the levels finding security cameras and like big security nodes to reduce shodan's control shodan's the name of the ai control of the level that you're on 
um, and you're finding things. It's kind of a Metroidvania, honestly, in some weird ways. Like, you'll go back and whatnot. There's a good map. The map, one thing that is super fucking dope on this is that on the map, you can click and you can actually type onto the map. And it'll stay there on your auto yeah. map. Yeah. So like if you find something, and I, I only realized this part way through the level, but I was like, oh, sh- I got to fucking use this more often. So if you come to something and you're like, I can't do that, you can literally just pull your map up and go like, I don't know, secret or like whatever, like something is here. Um, type whatever you want on it, um, which is just, I don't, I haven't figured out if I can delete these things though. But anyway, it's like, you probably can. I just don't know. Blows my mind that people still get maps wrong in games. Like, yeah. There's so many good examples now. Um, and for people listening, if you don't want to sort of uh, play through the the end, the quote unquote enhanced nightmare, uh, Night Dive Studios are currently remaking the thing yeah. relatively faithfully. So that's well worth a look. It, seems, it seems quite faithful. Yeah. Um, um. Hopefully it's coming soon. So Night Dive did the enhanced edition as well. Um. I think. Ah. It's, yeah. I think it's worth trying because man, it's like a buck or two on GOG. I think. So like, fuck it, might as well. <laughs> um. You know. And uh. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I'm enjoying it. It's it's kind of the birth of the audio log. These are funny though because this is before, um, people who knew what the fuck they were doing we're recording dialogue in games and so like the dialogues are like one of them is like talking about how like i think so like one guy just watched his buddy um get turned into a cyborg like murdered and violently turned into a cyborg and he's like i watched him he was killed and turned into a cyborg i think he's outside right now Oh no! <laughs> like, oh my god! Like they turned him into a cyborg, uh, and then they're gonna turn, turn me into, into a, cyborg. a cyborg. Yeah. It's like, oh my god! Honestly, yeah. It's like, makes you wonder if the guy's already a cyborg or something like that. Seriously, and it, but it's like watch out, fellow humans. Humans, yeah. It's so endearing in a weird way, though. Like you know, it's so bad, but at the same time, you're just kind of like, this is kind of like it's it's just kind of fun and like ridiculous so yeah but the reason i say too to appreciate bioshock is that i feel like bioshock has taken the sort of style of system shock and whatnot and made it like understandable to a much wider audience and much like larger group like the fact that you can use it on a gamepad i think makes a huge difference because i think even system shock 2 which i will get to eventually even that one i think like unless you're kind of seasoned gamer there's a lot of shit going on in these games um and it's they don't explain any of it so like i like i was discovering things in this game i was like oh i can do that holy shit oh i can do that holy shit like all this random stuff and like you get all these upgrades and things as you go along and anyway uh interesting game but uh that's it for me i've been talking way too long why don't one of you two take over (laughs) i feel like i've talked a lot as well pala jump in for us so i've been playing laying up so love for the boat so I've been playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, Shocker. And I haven't been making like a lot of progress because I really wanted to um, have Sweet Feast like out of the way so I could like play faster fellows and give it like more of my time there. Um, but yeah, like same old, same old, couple of cork seats here and there. Nothing like too crazy. Um, Pokemon Leap Green, I've been trying to find it stupid Taurus, and I swear it is like, um, it is really, really making my patience run out at this point because I've seen like, yeah, I've seen five Tauruses, all five of them run away. 
but I really want to complete complete the book headaches, so here oh, we are. You poor thing. I've seen worse, like in Pokemon Star until the fucking Cursula didn't like appear on unless there was like a certain weather condition. And weather is random in that game. And I swear I waited for like two weeks and I never had that weather condition. And then I would say like fuck it. I ain't complaining mm -hmm. this Pokedex. <laughs> and so yeah, that's Pokemon Leaper for me. Um Luigi's Mansion, I pretty much started exploring uh the new floors. Nothing too crazy yet. Still pretty good game. I really like how with the min menus and stuff they went like full virtual boy all red and black and shades of red in the middle nice it is a nice touch mm. um super smash Bros. ultimate i've been playing uh, against my boyfriend now and yeah i forgot super smash Bros. ultimate could get like super intense like that <laughs> <laughs> and finally um i'm Finally, back playing uh, Vasta Fellows on the Nintendo Switch. And I know I said I can't really like talk about the story, so I'm gonna go like really, really big with this one. But I finally arrived to the route split, and I'm currently on Crow's route, which I'm a little scared about because you. After you finish each chapter, they show you a previous of the next of the next chapter, kind of like in a TV show. Hmm. And I saw things. I'm scared. And so yeah, like that's Paths of Fellows for, for me right now. I'm really liking the direction the game is going for. And how they are pretty much nailing like the serious moments, the more dramatic moments, and like the action and the overall writing on and descriptions of the scene. And I'm really excited to see what's next with this one. That's pretty much it for uh, from me. Like my time just went to switch views this week, so Rick, take it away. Okay. Um, this week in, in playing for me has very much been characterized by handhelds. So. Um, you say that like it's ever different. <laughs> well, there is some context to this. So, oh. um, obviously, I'm, I'm still playing Vagrant Story on Vita natively. Um, and that is still very specifically of its era for better and for worse, but still, you know, interesting and, and compelling and engaging in various ways so far. Um, Wargroove, now that I have broadband. Um, I've been able to take advantage of a uh, little piece of homebrew Vita software called Moonlight, which tricks the NVIDIA Shield code into thinking that the Vita is a Shield device and allows you to uh, stream your gameplay straight to it. And holy shit, is that game infinitely more fun on a handheld. Like, I've, I've alluded to it a few times that I'd like it more if I had a Switch copy. It's great on Vita. It, it's way more fun. Like my enjoyment of that game genuinely skyrocketed being able to play it in, in handheld form. Um, and, you know, the, the game was good before. It's just the fact that I had to boot up the PC, I had to be sat at the PC, yada, 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 yada. Um, and now I am freed <laughs> to play it that way. Um, freed from your simultaneously, 
simultaneously on Vita number three. So we're, we're talking Vagrant Story on my OLED Vita. We're talking Wargroove on my hacked black Slim Vita. On my red, clean Slim Vita, um, I have been taking advantage of PS4 remote play uh, to play some more of Root Film in bed instead of downstairs where the TV is. Thanks to the magical power of broadband. Um, and <laughs> Root Film's really good. It's really, really sinking its claws in because the mystery is slowly starting to unravel. Um, I've got access to the second character now. Um, it's all played out in different like, chapters. And the game's charm is shining through the more and more I go through, both in its attention to detail uh, in terms of the setting, in terms of the history, uh, in terms of character development, in terms of the way it sets up its little mini mysteries as they go, um, but also in terms of the, the character interactions. Um, Max and, and Magari, I think I mention every time I talk about this game, but their they're like back and forth is just incredible. Uh, it's very um, realistic. It's very engaging, and it, it breathes life into what is already a pretty cool um, kind of murder mystery, but also unique enough to be its own separate thing, VN. Uh, and I'm having a great time with it. I tried to play the next game. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Kine, K-I-N-E, um, via Moonlight. But Moonlight doesn't seem to play very well with the Epic Game Store. So I, man- I tried it a couple of times, managed to get like two minutes of gameplay out, and then it would just disconnect and it'd be a problem. Uh, but Kine's excellent. So it is a puzzle game. It's like a, a block-moving type puzzle game. But the quirk is that you are different musical instruments and you can sort of move the parts of the musical instruments to manipulate yourself in space. So there is an accordion-type thing, for example, that I was playing some of the most recent levels. And by pressing the space bar, uh, you switch between um, having two wide parts out and having one long accordion part out of the back. And so you have to manipulate those both in terms of what they can allow your core character to reach, but also in terms of how they can move you around the space by pushing against walls and what have you. Um, there's a real cool, like, 20s, 30s jazz vibe to it all. Uh, the soundtrack's lovely. The characters are oddly charming. Uh, I feel like this is a puzzle game that I might actually finish, which, uh, if you're a regular listener of this show, you'll know is very, very high praise indeed. Um and then finally, I have started the Banner Saga, uh, specifically the Android release. And I'm not really far enough to know how I feel about it per se. But what I can say is that on an OLED phone screen, the art for that game pops. It is a real aesthetic marvel to behold, uh, particularly in sort of the downtime moments where you've just got this massive um parade of people and caravans sort of moving as small blobs through these enormous vistas uh it gives it a real sense of scale it's like a living art piece it's wonderful um you know the gameplay is good so far it you know it's, it it doesn't feel all that different to me but i have experience with the faction sort of multiplayer version that they did so it feels familiar but also not um especially novel and I'm, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a good or a bad yet. Um, I haven't found the combat too difficult yet, which is good because I'm not sure I necessarily have the patience for, for any kind of difficulty from a combat in this setting. Uh, whether that's me or whether that's the game, I just kind of want to 
experience the battles and see where the story goes. I feel like that's the main draw for me with this game, but we'll see how it goes along. So far, so good. That's all of my playing. Shall we? Uh, shall we jump straight on yes. to our topic this week? So uh, last week, for anyone who listened um, to our discussions about backlogs, we briefly talked about games in our backlogs that have been neglected. Our uh, our gaming white elephants, if you will. <laughs> um, and while we were talking between ourselves between the last recording and this, uh, we decided that that'd be a cool thing to dig into a little bit further. Talk a bit more about games that are gathering dust in our backlogs, games that we need to get back to, maybe series as we want to start. Um, and I, there's one that I want to sort of lead off with, and I feel like this is the big daddy of like scary backlog games. Disgaea. Absolutely. Oh, God. Blank. Yeah, Disgaea. Oh, no. yep, I, I tried Disgaea. playing Disgaea on the Switch before, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> so th- this game's on like all of the things now. Um, yeah. in, 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 in the spirit of, of this week's episode, a brief history lesson, Disgaea started as a PS2 game uh, ported by then the tiny Nipponichi software. And that game very much made them what they are today because it sold fucking gangbusters and like financed everything they did for the next decade. Uh, we're now on the sixth Disgaea entry, not counting all the various re-releases. Uh, the original Disgaea can be played on PSP, on DS, which is the version that I own, um, on PS3, on PS4, on PS5, on Switch, on PC, and if you want to pay thirty, if you want to pay thirty-two pounds for a fifteen-year-old game, you can even buy it for Android as well. Which, if that game was like a quarter of that price, I would have, I would have absolutely jumped on it. Like Fat Boy on Cake, but there was zero chance of me paying thirty-two pounds for a game I already know on DS, where it's better because you've got the split screen anyway. It it's one of those like the the core story probably won't take that long to beat, but because you know that it's geared towards like getting everything to level nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. Yes, you heard that right, listeners at home. That's four nines. Um, yep. it, it just feels very scary. Um, yep. Actually, I'm looking at how long to beat like right now, and shameless plug, shameless plug, and especially the third one, this guy three absence of justice has four hundred and twenty four hours for one hundred percent. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I, th- I think that's the that's the one with the most hours, but this guy two, this guy five, and the others like don't really like behind that much. Yeah, and, so, and this is. This is part of the problem as well. So off the back of what little I played and enjoyed of the original Disgaea DS, I have since procured uh, a copy of Disgaea 2 for PSP, uh, copies of Disgaea 3 and 4 for Vita, um, a copy of Disgaea D2, which is like a sequel to the original Disgaea with that cast of characters for the PS3. And that that's five Disgaea games. I haven't even like made any kind of dent in the first one. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I have to... <laughs> I think you're never um, gonna beat them all. <laughs> I have your right to judge you because I have like all the Disgaea games save for six and I haven't even started the first one. <laughs> oh, we have problems, is we what I hear. I see I I actually did try Disgaea, so I think it was Disgaea five maybe on the Switch. It was like one of the ones that was like when the Switch first came out. It was either Disguise 4 or 5, one of those, that um, basically came, like, they had a version released um, very early on in the Switch life. And when the Switch, believe it or not, people, but when the Switch first came out in 2018, there wasn't much to play on it. 
Um, 2018. I said 2018, didn't I? Or did I say 16? Yeah, I said 16, wasn't it? You said 18. Paolo said oh, is 19. It 16? I'm thinking 16. He said 17. 17, 2017. When the Switch I'm came out, whenever it came out. I think it's... <laughs> In the year I, that it released. I think Paolo's right in that it's probably 2017. Uh, probably March I'm 2017. I'm almost certain it's 16. I, it's I 2017. Say. It's March 3rd, 2017. Yeah. I would stake nothing on it, is what I was going yeah, to say. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You <laughs> go ahead. Um, sorry. Yeah, not 2018. But anyway, when it came out in 2017, well, for that first year, actually, there, there wasn't that much on the thing. Um, this is before, because, I mean, context-wise, too, the Wii U was shite. And so no one was porting <laughs> games to the Nintendo. Like, everyone was like, all right, Nintendo, whatever. And then once it was like, oh, fuck, this thing's popular, then everything came on. And so I tried Disgaea, oh, and I could not. There's a lot, and I feel like this is one of those tactic-type strategy games that, like, you gotta spend a good portion of your life to get good at this game and understand. <laughs> it depends what your objective is. Like, if you want to yeah. bumrush the story and, like, dip your toe Mm-hmm. in the complexities you absolutely can um now the item world which is where like the the bulk of that content is because you can level up all the items to level 9999 as well that's the mad thing uh by doing battles inside the item in the item world that's something that i think was only introduced in the ds version the ds version actually adds loads so there's like the the geo panel system which i think persists into later games that was that was a ds release edition that wasn't in the original ps2 version of the game um but yeah you're right it, it's um to, to quote a famous ogan that that game is like an onion it has layers <laughs> exactly god damn yep. um I, this is actually funny so one that's literally gathering dust um because i got it home from when i went home to Inganish, i you know well anyway i was in Inganish for a while but when i went home uh, my home's not there but anyway when I went home, I had a lot of 360 games and like two giant like Rubbermaid containers full of 360 like GameCube, like Wii games and stuff, but mostly 360 games because I have, I looked at my collection of 360 games and there's probably, there was like probably over, like 150 at least, like there were a lot of them there. Uh, I have a lot of 360 games. I have most of that catalog. <laughs> no, that's not true. It's like thousands, but I have a lot of them. I have a lot. And uh, there's one game that I've bought and that I have always meant to play and it has been staring at me and i have it now under my console and that's blue dragon which i don't know if you'll know this one yeah so blue dragon was a jrpg it's a kira toriyama art style i don't think it's that good i think it's like an okay rpg but it scored like 70s yeah Yeah. 70s or so like that right also understand this was like i i think it's an exclusive to the um 360 yeah, yeah which i'm sure is also why the scores weren't so great because like the 360 at the time had didn't have many jrpgs although i would say lost odyssey is like fucking one of the best rpgs out there um and the mad also thing exclusive. is just a slight tangent before you carry on mm-hmm. i'm borrowing an xbox at the moment there are two games i want to play on it because i don't mm-hmm. care about the the gears of forts as master chief editions I'd like the the only two Xbox exclusive games I want to play are Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey. Really? <laughs> and you name drop them both. Yeah, it's mad. I have two copies sitting here with me now. Um, I Blue Dragon and Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Those are the two that I have to play. That's on I, PC now, though. So yeah, that's true. But I got the 360 <laughs> one, so it's like sitting under there. Yeah, I don't know Blue Dragon. I just mm. I really want to play it. Like I love the art style. I think it looks really fun. And it's just like I've just never, never got myself to do it you know because like it's a 46 hour game right like i mean 
it's one of those things where I'm like, shit, man, there's so many long games out there. Like I should really just play the really good ones. But then at the same time, I just, I can't, I can't bring it to just like put it on that retired. I'm like, come on, Alex, you spent $5 on this discount game. You should play it. <laughs> there's, um, so anyway, that that's like, that's the one that for me has been gathering the most dust. And, I, and I'm just like, I got to get to that game at some point. What about you, Paolo? And you fun fact, mm. just before, just before we, tag power in um if you do love it there are two ds exclusive spin-offs yeah yeah what, what, what I, are they called i think one here? of them's like an actual rpg and one of them's like an rts game. i think one of them was a sequel because there's blue dragon awakened soul and then blue dragon plus um plus is the sequel is the sequel yeah. that's the the rpg and then awakened shadow is i believe an rts and it's 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 shorter too actually it's it, it, it says tactical role playing, so maybe it is like that. But anyway, it, yeah, it's like Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, it's it's like a fifteen Ooh. hour game. So I'd be into that. Anyway, I don't know. I love well, that's, these. That's the four card. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and Awakened Shadow. So I guess that's also a series. I guess I haven't jumped into. Um, there you go. Is an RPG interesting? So yeah, the sequel yeah. is the is the tactics one and then there's eh, anyway um paula yeah i'm trying to decide where to start because <laughs> i could pretty much start isn't that with... just the problem oh <laughs> yeah like i could really like just start like from the uh, japanese imports because there are so many of those that have been gathering dust for a while like the whole utana prinsama like series of atomic games is just there and I recently just learned that there's actual like transcript slash translations of a couple of the games, so might as well start there. But um, one series that I've been really wanting to get to uh, is the Adrian Odyssey series because that's on my list as well. What yeah, the this, fuck? this <laughs> is a funny RPG story. Similarities, yeah. Yeah, this is a funny story because I actually learned about the Persona series from Persona Q. That was uh, my first Persona game. Interesting. But also, I really like how the the dungeon crawling on that game was was done because you make the map. Mm. And then I learned about this game called Eternal Odyssey that pretty much had the same system. And I was like, oh, I want to play that. And then I got um, like the remake of one and two. I got four. I like Pokemon Mystery Dungeons, so I got the Atrian Mystery Dungeon game. You did. And okay. They are there. They, I haven't touched any of them, and I can't get a copy of Atrian Odyssey three because it is expensive as sin. So I might as well use another four. Yeah, or or skip it because it's the only one that didn't get a proper like port or remake, and it's also like supposedly fundamentally broken. Oh, I see. Yeah, so that like thunder, thunder is an element that you need literally against two enemies, and one of them is incredibly rare. So it's like there's no point specking into that, and there's various other problems with it. But the mad thing is just how prolific that series is. Like on 3DS <laughs> alone, yeah. there is Etzin Odyssey Four, which is the only one that I've played to date is excellent is also supposedly a really good starting off point uh there's Etrian odyssey 5 there's remakes of Etrian odysseys 1 and 2 from the ds uh, there's persona q and persona q2 and then there's Etrian odyssey nexus which is like the swan song of the series and, and the 3ds 
And then you have another funny story as in, um, like Etrianot is, it was, if I remember correctly, like how the story goes, was one, probably like one of the first like RPGs like to really hit a big on the DS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from there, Atlas went and uh, made a strange journey. And I have a strange journey Redux there, not Redux, uh, no, yeah, Redux on my mm. backlog because I think I got to like halfway through and suddenly it stopped playing and I tried to pick it up again, but I didn't remember where I was. I knew there were like some very useful demons on my party, one of them with Luster Candy, Ooh. but I was so out of there, out of the story, out of the whole experience that I was like, okay, I need to restart this one. And I feel like in general, like very complex RPGs where you have to like remember a lot of the mechanics or how you play generally, you, you can't really take a break from those because then you're like me and you don't remember why you did anything in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, Jesus. You know, and in a case of real serendipity, I got into Shimigami Tensei with Strange Journey. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, time before I ever even touched Etrian Odyssey. Anyway, sorry, Alex, you're going to say something there. Well, no, I was just saying, like, you're making me think of, like, because I was, I was trying to think to myself, I was like, are there actually any series that I'm, like, really want to, like, get into? And, like, I, I've dipped my feet into sound. Like, I tried Danganronpa, bounced off pretty quick. It just, for some reason, it wasn't clicking with me, even though I like Ace Turning and everything. For some reason, it just, eh. So, like, I, I do kind of want to go there, but, like, mm, I don't know. Um, but one that I really do want to get into, and I... Um, is uh, Mega Man Battle Network, the GBA games. Okay. Yeah, because, like, I love, like, I'm, listen, I fucking love card-based anything. And, like, they're technically not card-based. It's Battle Chip. Uh, but, you know, they're cards, right? It's and, totally different, Alex. Yeah, it's totally different. And, like, it's the grid <laughs> format, right? And, like, I just think yeah. that grid format and stuff, like, it's, it's fucking, it's such an interesting concept. And, like, after seeing those games, um, there's even apparently like a a uh, multiplayer like resurgence of it now. Like there's a competitive scene has started. I watched a video games. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madness. You see that video? I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I've always like I've always loved the idea of those games, and so like I really want to get into them, but I just haven't found a chance to, like jump in yet. You know, like it's like every time that I'm that I want to start, I'm like I got other things I could play, and it's also like. There's something about, and they're not even that long. It's like 14 hours, the first one. But there's something about that, like, series are so daunting, right? Like, I started Yakuza, and I finished the first one. But now the rest of them stare at me. Like, Yakuza Kiwami just is sitting on my Xbox like, you going to play me, bitch? And I'm like, no, because there's so many of you. <laughs> you know? And you're like, it's well, like- they, they shout for, for Battle Network. There's a, an indie game that's basically like Mega Man, the legally distinct Battle Network spinoff called One Step from Eden. Oh, really? And then you ob- you obviate the series situation. It's like the best of everything because it literally released a year ago. So it's like mm. up-to-date shit. So there you go. I also just Food like the thought. I also just like the uh, uh, Mega Man part of it, though. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> but I mean, I, whatever. I what you yeah, but yeah, you're like, huh, because of shit. Uh, Shantae was yeah, another right. one, too, that I want to get into, but I started the Game Boy Color when I left a bad taste in my mouth, but I know the rest are much better and much different, so I will get to them. Will. Yeah. What about I game one day? Oh yeah, Paula. Mm-hmm. Uh, another series that I I kind of like 
to us getting into the uh, idea strange journey with that one as well was Xenoblade Chronicles because I started playing mm. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 but then Bala went away uh, like I got too deep into like the gacha system of the game because you, you can just farm cores forever and I was like looking for a specific play who fuck me if I remember which one it was of course <laughs> And I think out of the 50 hours I played of that game, 20 are probably gacha. But also, like, I was really having fun with the combat system of how complex it can be. But then I, I watched um, a Tiger Conroy video, like, when I wanted to get back into the game. And it was like, things you must know before you play um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 or something among those lines. And I realized like I play I've been playing like the game like wrong <laughs> in the sense of the blades having these um category of like tank attacker and stuff like that. And they 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 really aren't like separately like in a good way. Like you, some of the best attackers in a game are classified as tanks. But the only thing that makes like the classification matter is the hell items you can give each blade or like the stuff you can put on their pouch. So I don't know, they, they do stuff with that. And I'm like, huh, it seems I really didn't know this game like very well. I wonder <laughs> what would happen if I restarted the game and actually play like I'm supposed to be playing. Like, no. I really like to break like RPGs and stuff like that, mm -hmm. like ramp up the numbers to see how much can I exploit this thing. So that's why I ended up with Luster Candy and the Ability on Strange Journey. Um, so I'm not really in the mood of restarting Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but I've also heard that um the assembly games like kind of like start adding elements on each game so if you want to start ac you start with the first one which is now available on switch then you go um with x and then you go with two because mechanically they're they they progress mechanically yeah so i want to get that that experience so i pretty much drop Xenoblade chronicles 2 to someday start Xenoblade chronicles definitive edition yeah, and I, and you, sorry, that's a serious I want to get into like so bad, but there, there's something, there's always something else like popping up. Oh, uh, that's yeah, that's our lives. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did exactly that with Xenoblade. I've got like 20 hours in the Wii release, and then I picked up the 3DS release thinking, oh, yeah, I'll play it now that I've got it on a handheld. Obviously, it looks like someone's chewed up cereal and spat it back out on the screen, which isn't <laughs> ideal. Um, you pulled a and then they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna." <laughs> 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 and then they're like, "Oh yeah, it's coming out on Switch." It's like, "Fuck!" So I'm probably gonna buy it a third time now. Yeah, yeah, I already bought that one twice because I also got the 3DS version. And it's aspirational, it. you know. Yeah. I will play this game. It runs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that too. Was that the, 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 the way you said that. 
just reminded me of the um Great Ace as Veronica Virgil because the the, the main character was like I will become an attorney or like, I will do this thing. I have to. Nice. Well, I will Sorry. happily take a comparison to them any day. <laughs> um, one thing I want to ask, because I like this last one we have here, is games that you haven't been able to attain a copy of that you want to play. And I have one here that like, look, I can play it, but I really, I really want a fucking copy of Ghost Trick. I want one so bad. And they're like oh, $300 fucking yeah. dollars. Yeah, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I know. There's Whoa. That- <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is going to hurt you even more. I got my copy for eight pounds from an Asda. Yeah, I'm because sure they- you did. Oh Back God. in the day, yeah. There's like there I've never ever seen a copy of Ghost Trick in my time in Canada. Oh. I have yet to see a copy of it. Now obviously I'm not like scouring too much, but there just isn't one. It's like all on eBay for like two thirty or something. Now Japan ones are way cheaper. But like what if I'm gonna get it and just what's the point of that? You know what I mean? Like I'm just gonna no, I'm just going to, you know, have to drop the ROM on something anyway. And like, you know what I mean? So like, I know I'm going to have to play it on like my, on a hack 3DS at some point, but I just, I just irrationally want a copy of Ghost Trick because <laughs> it looks so I amazing. I totally get that. Right? I Ghost totally Trick is the, it is a DS game, right? Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. Oh have yeah. Have you not played it, Paula? I have not played it, oh, but well, I remember someone I love it Ghost Trick. Ghost Trick is so your kind of game. Yeah. You need to prioritize playing Ghost Trick. It's amazing. Yeah, like like if I pull up eBay right now and like I look at it like right away. Okay, so maybe not, but like it's one hundred and eighty-one dollars, right? Um, for That's a complete terrific. box. Yeah. yeah, you know, and like even like the new factory seals are like two thirty. Like, there's none that are short of that. Even like um, like someone's selling a pre-owned one, not even in the box for one eighty, and like you know what I mean, oh my like. God that's that's how that's aspirational it is. yeah that is um and like anyway so it's just yeah ghost trick is just because it didn't sell well right so <laughs> there aren't many yeah. copies in existence and for the most part i think people who bought that game really like that game so they're not getting rid of it you <laughs> it's know? really good yeah it's uh, <laughs> the, the interesting thing with the idea of like games that you haven't been able to get a copy of is since emulation became a thing that's just not mm-hmm much of an issue so like all of the ones i would have said like drill dozer i managed to track down a cartridge that's what i was looking for for years Same. um sweet uh if i'm saying that the right way which is like a ds spin-off um i managed to find i think it's it might even actually be a european copy but i managed to find it for like just above msrp a couple of years ago on ebay um lost odyssey which is a game that like i didn't have the hardware to run for a long time I managed right. to get the game for four pounds once once I'd got the Xbox. Xbox um, and I still need to talk. so cheap. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought that one being um, the the kind of game that it is and, and not being sort of a commercial hit, as far as I'm aware, I thought it might be a bit trickier to get hold of, especially because it hasn't been re released anywhere. But it there's loads of copies floating around and super cheap too. Um, and then like even games where I haven't got a physical copy, like there's. Um, there's a quartet of like PS2 games from way back when that I wanted to get but never got around to getting. So God Hand, Grim Grimoire, Shinobi, and Siphon Filter, the Omega Strain. I've got them on the emulator. It's um, Grim Grimoire especially is a nightmare to get a hold of, like in box with the manual and everything else. But the internet's a lovely place and people put scans of all kinds of documents online. So it's all hunky-dory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like one of the games that I want to really like get a hold of is Okami Den. 
again, I have that one. <laughs> um, I mean, it it isn't like too like crazy um, expensive. It's just mm. that I haven't like made up my mind to just buy the thing instead of like whatever something is like like coming out. Or like yeah. when I have like the money, something happens, and then I don't have money. Yeah, and then the so, GBASP appears in yeah. your post. Weird how that happens. Hmm. <laughs> no, it, it's um, it's just that sometimes when you're from Chile or any like Latin American country, import fees just hit you like a truck out of yeah. nowhere. Mm. So that has happened to me like more than one, more than once. So it's like okay, I guess my plans for getting whatever I don't know the oldies game are have changed let's leave it at that sorry i wanted to jump back because i was curious about lost odyssey because you mentioned the sales thing it actually did pretty well like i mean obviously no like crazy breakthrough thing but like for the and again listen this is relative because the 360 obviously didn't sell very well like in japan but it it did become the like the ninth best-selling game for the 360 um in japan and like it sold about like about nine hundred thousand ish copies, which look I know that's not a ton, but like for a game of its for, size, yeah. it did pretty 100%. well. You know, and like mm. it, it debuted pretty well. Like to the point where Microsoft, like, they were thinking about turning it into a series because like how well it did in, in Japan as well. They were like, maybe you do this. So like, you know, it, it it did pretty good. And Famitsu gave it like it, it got a nine, like in Famitsu. Like it was like it received quite well. So anyway, that's that's the thing mm. where it's like, I feel like Lost Audi, because it was a 360 exclusive, people are like, couldn't have done that well. But like, that's also why I think it did well. Because me, like think about the time, I wasn't playing JRPGs at all, um, 360. And then this thing came out and I was like, what is this thing? And I tried it and I got into JRPGs again. So it was a huge one. Anyway, sorry. Let's we'll jump back into what we were saying there. <laughs> um, I, To be fair, I think Paolo was just finishing making a very sad point, and then I was just thinking, what other ones are there to maybe dip into? Oh, yeah, that might have um, been it then. <laughs> um, well, why don't we move I on mean, we, then, we, anyway? Cause... Okay, I, I had one oh, oh, quick go ahead, one Rick. that I just want to drop before we move on, uh, and that is um, a little obscure game. This has been a very DS-centric discussion, I find. Uh, <laughs> Infinite Space. Oh. Are, are either of you familiar with that one? Yeah, that Infinite rings a bell. Infinite Space. So it's a Platinum Games-developed um space combat rpg published by sega for the nintendo ds back in like 2008 2009 um and this is a a chonky game the the core combat revolves around this kind of rock paper scissors sort of game of chicken moving your fleets of ships back and forth uh but then there's also like a proper story behind it there's a, a fleet building mechanic um it's got one of those things where you like have to fit all the modules into the shape of the ship and you move them all around with the touchscreen kind of thing. It's a nutso game. Um, and again, another one, because at the time when the DS was around, um, all the, the big chain supermarkets were like picking up every DS game that they could find, and they wouldn't keep them for long because they wanted to just churn through the inventory. So the DS games at the time were going for £30, like retail. And uh, like three weeks after release, I got this game for like 15 because they were like, okay, we just want to get this off the shelves. And I was like, I will help you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a game I've tried to start a couple of times and just never quite gotten enough into to to be properly into. Mm. Um, so it's sat on the backlog and as one that I will get back to eventually kind of thing. Um, 
Well, there we go. Anything else? So should we jump into the yeah. let, Let's like, move along because we got we go mm-hmm. along. <laughs> uh, like most of my games are like just series that are like in my backlog that I haven't get to, but I eventually will. And then we'll hear never about will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or not. Never mind. Um, <laughs> We're moving on, Paula. Yeah. Well, we've got a uh, a question from. <laughs> No, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Rick's just had okay. a lot of like shots and misses today. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, sorry. That was a squeak. All right. Anyway, we have a question from Nalv this week. Uh, so Nalv asks, do you prefer to time yourself or use the in-game timer to calculate your game, your time? If you time yourself, do you, do you pause for resets and time away from the game, i.e. loot breaks? Um, I'll start just by saying I... I aspirationally would like to time myself i don't it's just the way my gaming happens mm-hmm. it's in such fits and spurts like it is just like can i get 10 minutes in here great i'll get 10 minutes in here um but i do i really like to use the in-game timers i usually assume from an in-game timer that it's probably off by like probably like two hours or so at least most of the time um i've just noticed that in general it's like i don't know you know what i mean it doesn't always like necessarily tabulate everything um like an hour or so by then. But um, on the Switch, I like to use the Parental Controls app because uh, they don't have a timer. But if you get the Parental Controls app, the app tells you how long you've been playing and it tells you by game. So like and by day. So I use that to calculate all my time. So I know my Switch times are quite accurate. <laughs> um, 3DS has that as well, which is also super Yeah, useful. the 3DS yep. is great. Um, but, you know, things like the PlayStation, really rough. Like it's just such hit or miss if they have something. Um, Xbox is a, getting a bit better now. They have like... I've been noticing it's hit or miss on that too. Some games, they'll have the progress tab. It'll tell you that, um, how much you have. And if you sync it with GOG, you can tell as well, but others don't. So I don't know. I kind of rely on that. Um, I'm just not fastidious enough to do that, but I don't know. What about you all? I'm guesstimation city. I I have to be honest. So like, Mm -hmm. um, if it's an in-game timer, I'll go for that theme epic are pretty good because they they give you a time steam it's like to the closest six minutes um epic it's like more or less an accurate time um for anything that doesn't have inbuilt timing and the game doesn't have a timer of its own um i will generally sort of look for the clock where when i started playing look at the clock when i ended Mm. and guesstimate down from that if i you know if i took breaks to make food if i've been to the toilet yeah. um if i've been like on my phone for a bit in the middle of that um and i'll just sort of fudge the numbers um and, and to be fair like I, <laughs> that sounds not quite how i mean it but like i've been doing this long enough that i i get the times <laughs> down reasonably close you know like yes i'm i'm <laughs> i'm not a novice in the in the video game timing and completing space well exactly you get to a wow point that where came you... out fast That's funny. no i get, but I get <laughs> what you're saying like you get to a point where you play a game and like after you're finished you're like yep that was about four hours like you know what i mean like you just yeah kind you've of got know. a good feel for it yeah. yeah and like i can also think to myself how many sessions did i have oh i played that four times for like two hours each okay i know what i did you know what i mean like i i can kind of remember that pretty easily now because like also my gaming time like i said it's kind of in fits and spurts and that's mostly for the handhelds but it's also like fairly regimented right like i don't i get to play a lot of games that's because i really like focus my time when i play them you know what i mean like i'm doing so much other shit throughout the day and i've got so much work to do that like i gotta focus in what about you paula uh, i'm a maniac yeah i thought so <laughs> yeah but, um, but what about timing your games okay <laughs> <laughs> come on Rick. there you, you, you 
So I use the Switch Parental app for whatever Nintendo Switch game I'm playing. I use the timer on the 3DS whenever I'm playing that. As for other games, um, I use the 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 Steam estimate um, for mm. whatever I'm playing over there. Uh, so wherever I have an accurate timer, I will use that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. I'm just gonna like go use a, an actual stopwatch. Nice. Um, I'm pretty much like nearly like to the minute or sometimes second, sometimes, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the thing is, is that for like, like very short spurs of gaming, I usually have my, uh, my switch out or my, or or any game with a timer, mm. so I don't have to worry about that. Um, for the games that I do have to worry about that, and I don't have like the the, the website like on or anything like that, uh, to to input the time what once I'm done playing. I use my um, th- my little journal, and I use a sticky note, and I put the sticky note on the on the game I'm playing, and just take it a- take it away once I record at the time. So I don't know. Um, I'm a maniac. I I like to like be very precise when measuring mm-hmm. like anything. I guess it's like the laboratory rat that I have in me. <laughs> well, also, aren't you like, you know, doing programming and whatnot and want to become a video game developer? I mean, these are probably good qualities that you're very much. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. There are good qualities. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, also something to say too, like even when I look at like how long to beat, right? Like the times there, like I, I actually think the more useful times is when you like scroll down and see the like, um, average median rushed leisure right like that to me is the most useful because i actually often find that like these days i tend to be on like the rushed side of things um particularly if it's like a game like professor Layton versus phoenix right right like i finished it pretty quick but then i go to look in at like times and i'm like right okay that's because i'm like boom 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 going through um but you know yeah like I, you did with 13 cents it was like you shaved a third of the time off just being like bop, 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 bop. yep because yeah. i just boom, read through it right fast right you know it's just that's kind of how it goes so um nice well, there you go, folks. That's how we do it. It's a bit scattershot, and it changes with every console <laughs> and every handheld. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I will say, God damn it, consoles, just give us in- system timers even. Just tell us how long we've been playing a game for. I want to know. <laughs> the dumb thing is Sony track it. They did like a, a Christmas thing, like a yeah. New Year celebration last year, and it was like, oh, you can log in and we'll tell you some of the times a bit if you've done enough playing and like are eligible for it, which for whatever reason I couldn't get it to work. It's like, well, if you're, if you're tracking that, why would you not let me see it? Right. Just let me see it. Anyway. Mm. Um, Yep. All right. Well, that's that. Let's move on to. How long to beat the game. Uh, Let's see what we're playing this week. Oh, interesting. Thief gold. Thief? Uh, okay, God, I haven't got yeah. the first one. So it's thing. it's Thief, but it's called Thief Gold. So I don't, <laughs> I assume that's uh, you know by Idos. I assume this is just like the more complete version of Thief. I would guess. Um. Yeah, I'm taking a look at the Steam wiki right now. Yeah, Steam. Yeah, Thief Gold, seven dollars. I'm going bad. eight hours main, ten hours main plus, <laughs> so fourteen the- hours, hundred percent. 
bosh bosh <laughs> i haven't got a clue there. that's what i'm going with it's the definitive version of thief the dark project <laughs> or in fact you know what? i'm gonna add three hours to every time so i'm going 11 hours 13 hours 17 hours yeah yes i don't know how much you do on like in these games like how long are these um that's the question yeah that is that is the question that is very much the question (laughs) Um, they are stealth games that's all i know (laughs) yeah they're stealth remember that i think they were like the first like real big um stealth games weren't they like like in terms of like that really kind of broke through in like the 3d environment i sounds right i <laughs> i'm not saying but it sounds right they certainly predate sam fisher yeah i have no idea what i'm thinking okay uh let's see so i'm gonna go because i also don't know um maybe i want to just like buckle on with you and uh cute and try not to like you know that way if if you lose i lose vice versa <laughs> oh look who's playing the tactical game <laughs> interesting think i'm trying to think what sounds reasonable but i got nothing um <laughs> i still feel this is like on the charter side but not the church because I saw that Thief Gold has like four extra missions or like extra missions in general. So yeah, detective. Okay, I'm gonna go twelve hours. Do I want to take that half an hour for the thing? Oh my no, god, just... no, you don't. But what is one hundred percent for for this game? Is it like if there are any kind of collectibles you get? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going on 13 hours, 15 hours, 19 hours. I, I think it's a little bit longer, I feel like, but I'm not super confident. I'm not, I'm not very Interesting. Confident. What I feel yeah. is that the first two times are going to be like fairly close together, but the third time is going to be like a little bit more, but I don't know like how much more. So maybe I just want to leave it like at... Do I want to leave it at 16 hours or do I want to go with 17? I'll go with 16 hours. Okay. You know what? Okay. No, you know what? Because this is an... Ex- I'm going to go 15 hours. Ooh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... I'm going to hail Mary. Because, <laughs> like, these are... Remember, we did this with Lara Croft. We did this with fucking Tomb Raider. Where we were like, it's a short damn game because it's old. And then we got shat on hard because we realized, no, it's not. Um, yeah, albeit that was a puzzle platformer. But this is Whereas a stealth game. Like a... It's all uh-huh. about being slow and sneaky. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, well, I'm going I with... That... No, wait. Um, I'm, I'm bouncing huh. out. I'm going 15 hours, 22 hours, 26 hours. Well, I'm, I'm going to give it like a little bit more on the on that last time. Maybe like... Mm. Join me, Rick. Join me. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, getting I'm, getting I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I also so just don't want to be stands, alone. <laughs> as it stands, I've got main 14, main plus 16, 100% 22. Alex has got main 15, main plus 22, 100% 27. Uh, and Paolo's got main 12, main plus 14 and a half, 100% 18. 
Oh, and she's made a main 12 and a half as well. Okay. okay. Yep. Are we all locked in? I'm ready. Yep. Let's find out. Okey-dokey. Moment of truth. Okay. Main story is 20 hours. I'm good. Oh, main but, plus oh, extra. No, it's okay. We're Don't worry. Main plus extra, 26 and a half hours. Which seems pretty good so far. But completionist is 36 and a half hours. Ooh. Yeah. So close. I, I I don't know. I just had a feeling. Like, you know, I, yeah, completionist on this. Yep. It's a big game. These are big games. These older games are big freaking games, man. 1999. They just, I don't know. They made them big. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this week. No points for us. The standings remain the same. 76 for Rick, 74 for me, and 65 for Paola. Came close. Yeah, um, so that, that switch OLED's still up for grabs. Anyone could get it. <laughs> Anybody at all. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. Toodles. Take it easy.